It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, and I tell you what, we got a great, I mean, a great program for you today. First, I want to thank the great people over at Sweet Sweat who are the presenting sponsors of this show. Uh, oftentimes, we do a question mark. We're not going to do that, but they give out these $75 gift bags for the question that we use for question mark. We'll get back to that uh, next week. You've got one of the sweet sweat belts right there, right? Got to get my sweat on. Yeah, get Try your to put it around my Joe Belly gut here. Yeah. And... Uh... That way, if you if you sweat enough of that gut off, your mom jeans are going to look so oh, fine. Oh, man. Those bedazzled back pockets are just going to lovingly caress your... Uh, My hiney. Yes. <laughs> so sexy. So sexy. Um, but we like to think... What an image. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sweet Sweat. We'd like to thank the great uh, presenting sponsors at Sweet Sweat. You can check them out at SweetSweat.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm... Uh... I'm, I'm, I'm Just like, initial reaction. I'm give like me, everybody else, Mahomes. I yeah, mean, the deal. Give, give me your initial reaction. When you saw this news break, yeah. your initial reaction to Patrick Mahomes, now it's 10 years, a, a max of $503 million, yeah. uh, half a billion dollars. Hey, I, I was, when when we were talking about this, this deal and, and knowing it was coming, I was like, hey, if I'm the Chiefs, I just go five years, $200 million, all guaranteed. You know, forty million per, but they just stretched it out out of ten years. So I'm not I'm not surprised at all by the numbers. It's exactly the kind of deal uh, I, I would do if I was the Chiefs. And look, I, I you know I think I've we've been lucky enough to see what a lot of great quarterbacks and and have an idea of what great great quarterbacks look like. And to me, Mahomes, he fits the bill. Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a great deal for Kansas City. I, I do, I do too. I, I think there's a couple of things that resonate with me. One, you know, most of the deals we see now are shorter term deals, so that you can dip back into the market. Because when you start to look at these long term deals, at the end of these long term deals, either the quarterback or the player never reach the end of the long term deal, or by the time you get to the, the end of the long term deal, you're a bargain. You're a bargain player. Now, that said, there are a lot of guarantees. I think right now, 140 some odd million guaranteed toward injury. Um, but the bottom line is this: a little bit surprised that it went 10 years, because it, at the end of that, it'll be a 12 year deal because there's two years left on his deal. At the end of that, like, what are the odds of you re-upping again? Probably not good, but you've made 500 million at that point. So what do you care, right? So there was a little shock there because think about Kirk Cousins, who signed a three-year, $84 million total guaranteed contract, and now just re-up this offseason. Like, there's another opportunity to re-up, but, you know, he's given up. You think Cousins ever sees $500 million? No, absolutely not. So I think that I think that this this deal for Mahomes is great. I think you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're the rest of the NFL, you got to be going, oh, gosh. Right, 20 of 22 starters are coming back. Right now they've got Mahomes. Basically, in three years, he's going to make $63 million over the next three years. That that puts him a little over 20 a year. Like, that is, I mean, that's money out of the, cush, the, the, the cushions of the couch in the owner's office. Like, that's nothing. So you've got this three-year built-in window. And I think what the Chiefs are looking at, Mike, is, all right, what percentage is $20 million of the cap right now? And 
at the end of the day, three years from now, will 45 million be about the same percentage as the cap continues to go up? And at what point does this contract look like a bargain? Like I like those are the things I wonder. Like in year in year six of this deal, is is he the tenth pay the highest paid quarterback? Like in year six of this deal, is he like is this a bargain deal? I, I think there's a lot of aspects to this that are really intriguing. Yeah, to me. and I know that it's it's conveniently brought up by fans of other teams that well, all right, now that you're paying Mahomes, how are you gonna pay other people? And my argument is that if if Mahomes truly is an elite, great, great quarterback, here's what I know about all elite, great quarterbacks. They make the talent around them better than they really are. So, yeah, so here's what Kansas City does moving forward. Once, once they're out of this two-year window and they have to start paying Mahomes, you know what? You're going to be able to bring in young receivers, young tight ends, you know, offensive linemen, you're not going to have to overpay anybody on the offensive side of the ball because guess what? He'll make everyone better. So you put your other assets maybe to the defensive side of the ball and you continue to play at a high level and you continue to be a Super Bowl contender year in, year out. I, I just right. I, I just don't buy the whole, oh, no, you know, how are they going to pay all these other guys? That's what you pay this kind of a guy for when you have that kind of quarterback he automatically makes average talent above average. Here, here's the interesting thing for me is that I keep getting people that say, see, well, look what happened in Seattle when they had to pay Russell Wilson, right? Huh. The dynasty that never was. Well, wait a minute now. <laughs> they paid him. They go to the playoffs every year. Do they have a chance to be a Super Bowl contender every year? Absolutely, Right. I mean, there's no question. Certainly, it's easier to manage your football team when you're not paying your quarterback big-time money. But the narrative that exists that if we pay our quarterback, we can't pay anybody else is absolute hogwash that is created by owners to keep the cap value down and their profits up. And here's what I know about the cap. It is not a hard cap. It's a soft cap. You can manipulate it any way you want. So if they get into year four with Patrick Mahomes and say, hey, Patrick, listen, here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to convert some of your base salary into signing bonus, spread it out over the next however many years, and drop your cap value by five, by eight, by $12 million. You know what Patrick Mahomes says? Sure. I'll take upfront cash right now. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I.e. what Brady did forever for the New England Patriots. Now, the numbers are bigger now, but that's just the way it goes. Here's one thing. It was interesting. When the San Francisco 49ers got the call from Bill Belichick to bring Jimmy Garoppolo over in a trade, everybody went eight bananas when Jimmy Garoppolo signed a $27 million a year contract. They're like, oh, he hasn't proven himself. He's only got you know 11 starts or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact number, but people went crazy. You think Jimmy Garoppolo looks like a bargain now at $27 million? Listen, the money just continues to escalate. And I will say this. Who is more valuable to their franchise, to professional sports, to a league, than Patrick Mahomes is to the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs? Think about it. I mean, come on. You don't think that the Chiefs will be flexed into several Sunday night games? You don't think they're going to have, what, five, six primetime games? He's must-see television, Mike. 
You don't think CBS in the seven or eight or the ten games that he's not primetime, you don't think CBS is, is bringing him into the game of the week in the afternoons? Stop it. Well, like this I'll, is a I'll, this is an easy investment I'll for the go Kansas even bigger City than that and the, and the league. You want to talk about the clout? You want to talk about the, the hammer he swings right now? Look look at the NFL's dramatic 180 degree turn when it comes to how they're dealing with Black Lives Matter, the uh, the, the issues that surround you know kneeling. Mm-hmm. Look at how the NFL has quickly acquiesced to the idea that we support our players. That video that a, a group of players put out, right. Everybody agrees. When Mahomes put his stamp on there, stamp on yeah. that, and put his 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 name and his image, his face on that video, Roger Goodell had no choice. And I'll give Goodell the benefit of the doubt that he wanted to do the right thing anyway. But just from a business standpoint, he's like, whoa, 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 that's a game changer right there. That's the new. That's the face of my league right now. Right. And if and if he's out front, part of this, we 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 totally have to. Acquiesce. Yeah, we well that's we, power. Yeah, that we, is power. We got to jump on that bandwagon and we've got to ride the Mahomes yep. train, just like Kansas City rode it to an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, a league MVP. One hundred percent, a one hundred percent. I think, I think it, he just has that much clout, that much credibility, and, and he's done it. You know, from the outside looking in, he's just done it the right way. He understands this is the this is the beauty of having a father to me that played a professional sport. You understand the pitfalls. You understand the responsibility, right? Like my dad always used to say to me, you know the problem with America? And my dad, you know, was military guy and, you know, and grew up in that. It was part of the problem with America is too many people know their rights and not enough know their responsibilities. Like he knows his responsibilities because he's been raised to understand what his responsibilities are. So good for Patrick Mahomes. It's good for the league. Um, I, you know, I mean, I wonder how Kansas City people feel about it. Well, uh, funny you say that, because mm-hmm. joining us right now uh, is a friend of mine. He's part of the Syracuse Media Mafia uh, uh-huh. out there. Soren Petro uh, is a host with uh, Sports Radio WHB, uh, 810 WHB in Kansas City. Follow him on Twitter at Soren Petro. That's S-O-R-E-N-P-E-T-R-O. He joins us now on the uh, Stinking Truth podcast. Uh, Soren, what are what what are you folks saying uh, about this deal? Yeah, listen, I, I don't think there was anything, uh, you know, to signing Patrick Mahomes that could have been viewed as a negative in Kansas City. I think this is a deal they wanted done. I think because the Chris Jones negotiation has been so much on the front burner that this took them by surprise, and you know, it's like a uh, you know a surprise birthday party. All their friends are there. Patrick Mahomes is there. They're excited, and and I don't think there's any way to put a negative spin on this for Chiefs fans. Um, what are the concerns, though, as as a guy who covers this team, as a guy who watches this? You know, we hear all this here in Denver. It's all like, oh, wait till the big money kicks in, and then they won't be able to support the team, and they're going to fall apart. Like, are there concerns there in Kansas City with this contract signing? Well, there are with a, a couple of us. Like, right, that's one of the things I think that's, that's a smart way to look at it. Uh, if, if you're a fan of another team, particularly in the division, then this is what you're waiting for. You're waiting for the top-heavy quarterback contract that makes it more difficult to win. And there's no doubt that Andy Reid and Brett Veach's job got a lot harder now with this contract. But it's also what you do, right? There's, I don't think anybody regrets that. I think for fans – 
you know, the salary cap is some myth, right? It's, it's, it's something that doesn't really exist. And I think they're going to start to understand it a lot more. It's funny, I was on with Seattle last night, and I, I remember having the conversation with people when Russell Wilson's contract came around and saying, you know, it's a real big difference between winning with a quarterback on his first contract and winning on the next one. And back then, they didn't want to hear it. Oh, no, no, this team is set, and their contracts are ready, and they're not going to lose anybody. And they bring me on uh, last night, and they're going, well, where do you have to deal with the contracts, right? And, and so – it's going to be a big challenge. I, I said it, and then listen, fans don't like hearing this, but I said, look, let's just understand where we're going when this deal gets signed. Let's say he gets $40 million. I said, that's $35 million more against the cap than he's got right now. Let's take $35 million off the cap. And they're like, well, no, I don't want to talk about it. I said, no, no, let's, let's do the exercise. Because you can't take 53 to like 36 off the roster and get to $35 million. You've got to take off Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Bashad Breeland, right? You've got to take big pieces off the roster. And so, yes, right now it's all a party, but how Chris Jones fits into this mix, I personally don't think he does fit into this mix moving forward, uh, is going to be a, a challenge in any Super Bowl that they win under this contract. And it is a couple of years before it kicks in, but he gets nothing but more expensive over the next couple of years as well. Uh, any Super Bowl that's, that's achieved uh, during this next stretch is going to be more of a success for the organization than this one's been because it gets a lot more difficult now. Soren Petro from uh, Sports Radio, uh, WHB 810 out there in Kansas City. And, you know, over the years, Brady, Manning, didn't matter. Cast of Characters could change around them. They would continue to win and play at a very high level. Some of the uh, arguments made by Bronco fans is, well, is Mahomes all that? Or is it Andy Reid's system? Or is it the, the talent around him? Are you convinced, Soren, that Mahomes is in that Brady-Manning category where it doesn't matter who the personnel is, he'll continue to lift it? Well, I, you know, I think the answer when you give all three of those choices is yes, right? It, it's not any one of them. It's all three of them. Andy Reid is very good. Alex Smith's a fine quarterback, but he's not a championship caliber quarterback, but you can win 12 games with Alex Smith if Andy Reid is the coach. And the talent around Patrick Mahomes, is he a, a great quarterback? Yes, he is. Uh, is he 5,050 without that talent around him? No, he's not. So if you want to be truly elite and exceptional, it takes all of those things. And I think that's going to be – you know, the, the trick here, like it has the NFL come all the way around to where it's offense, that it's, you know, whoever has the possession last, it's an NBA game and you've got to be willing and able to score on every possession and every possession in the fourth quarter. And whoever has the ball last is going to win. Then you're going to load up all the money on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, that's, this team is an offensive team and that's how they've made it happen. Now, Steve Spagnuolo did a great job with the defense and they do have some contracts, Frank Clark's being the biggest of which are on the defensive side, but they've been predicated on offense. And I think that's where they want to go. Tyree kill still got time on his contract. Travis Kelsey has time on his contract. They just spent a first-round pick on a running back. Their two tackles are under contract at a, at a pretty good price for the next couple of years. So I think this team will remain uh, you know, one of the best offensive teams in football. Will it be what it was two years ago where it was by far the best offense in the NFL? You know, frankly, I, I hope not because you do need to stop people, and so I think some of that money needs to get spent on the other side of the ball. But, you know, that's, that's what we're going to see. Brett Beach has been able to build a champion. Can he maintain a champion? And that's, that's usually harder than just getting there the first time. Yeah, there's no question that maintaining that championship level is the hardest thing. But when you've got a guy that is flat out a unicorn in this league, in, in Patrick Mahomes, I mean, at least it gives you that opportunity. 
Um, and, and then from a community standpoint, like how important and how valuable, because I made an argument yesterday, I was doing shows all around the nation going, hey, $503 million, you know, bottom line, that guy is, you know, he'll be on five primetime games at night. You know, if he's got 11 games left over of those five prime times, you take those away seven times, he'll be on the CBS game of the week. I mean, like, how much value does he bring not only to Kansas City but to the league in general? Well, I, I think a tremendous amount. You know, and I, and I think to his credit, you know, you, you, you kind of started that with his off-the-field uh, value. And, and that's one of the things is not only has he been a brilliant player, uh, but he's been brilliant off the field and he seemingly has made no missteps there either. He's, he's been on a lot of commercials. I guess if you wanted to complain and say, wow, he's, he's kind of overexposing himself because he does a lot of commercials, but he, to this point, you know, I, I had a chance to interview him every week of the season last year and, you know, he, he is as genuine as it gets. He's, he's businesslike, right? He did, he's not wasting any time. He's got certain things lined up, and he wants to get it done. But he's a genuinely nice kid. And, this, and to this point, the city has nothing but stories about how great he was. Somebody, you know, ended up getting paired up with him on a round of golf, and they saw him at the golf course a couple of weeks later, and he still remembered what their name was and what, was, what their kids' names were. There's, there's stories of him picking up the checks for people at, uh, at dinner when nobody bothered him, and he said thank you on his way out. I mean, there is he to this point has checked every box on and off the field in the city and I think he's done it for the league as well and I I think you see what his impact is when the Black Lives Matter movement is is put together they put the video together and the fact that he was on it everybody said uh, look Roger Goodell the NFL has to respond when Patrick Mahomes is part of this there's no hiding anymore and I think he carries that weight he knows what it is he accepts that responsibility which to this point has been amazing because he's still not even 25 years old, uh, the way he's been able to to not make a mistake. We've seen other guys. Listen, Ben Roethlisberger was just in the news a week or two ago, and, and we remember the missteps that he was making early in his career. And at this point, Patrick Mahomes has done everything right, and I think that's one of the reasons why the contract is so big. It's not just what he does on the field. It's the fact that this organization feels confident that he's not going to embarrass them. There's not going to be a problem, and, and he will be out there uh, on the field. The only thing that can take him off the field is injury, which is a real concern in the NFL and health, which is a real concern for everybody in this country right now. But they don't feel like they've got anything at risk when it comes to him making a, a poor choice. Soren Petro from uh, Sports Radio WHB 810 out in Kansas City. Okay, last one, Soren. For years, Kansas City fans had to know that John Elway wasn't going anywhere. And then Peyton Manning came along. If the shoe is on the other foot now, what would be your advice for uh, Bronco fans knowing that Mahomes isn't going anywhere for the next 12 to 15 years. Well, to, you know, listen, and, and we love Drew Locke here. He's a KC kid, and, and I think there's a lot of ceiling there. And the Broncos are the one team that I say that there's maybe a, a threat in the future because Drew Locke can be that guy. But, listen, I watched a lot of really good Chiefs teams uh, go into Denver, you know, host the Broncos, have a shot, look good, even be able to grab some wins here and there. But in reality, you can't win. You might be able to steal one Super Bowl, Joe Flacco style, right, uh, Trent Dilfer style. But reality is if you're going to be a perennial championship contender, you've got to get the quarterback right. Right. And so that means take the time to find out what you got with Drew Locke. And if he's not the guy, don't hesitate. Move on and get on to the next guy. Because I'm going to tell you, it sucks being a fan. And I can tell you that I, I, I hated watching Elway to Peyton Manning as a Chiefs fan and knowing that it is always going to be an uphill battle. So to me, hopefully the Broncos have it right with Drew Locke because we'd love to see uh, him have great success uh, here in Kansas City. And, and we'd love to see a real battle with the Broncos. But if he isn't it, that's the spot that you got to get right. All right, that's uh, Soren Petro from Sports Radio 810 WHB. And, uh, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway, at least from him, is that 
you know, this is a great deal, but there are some risks that come with it. It's not an well, automatic. There, there's always risks, but here's the thing. You never, like, do you ever regret play, paying really good players? Like, hey, I got a really good pay, player here, and, and this guy is an elite-level player, and, ah, uh, you know, I just don't want to pay him. No, I mean, you're going to pay the great players because they elevate you and they give you a chance to win. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Does does any franchise, even if they don't win the championship, does any franchise, be it Cleveland, be it Miami, or even be in the L.A. Lakers, do they regret paying LeBron James with the jersey sales and all the hoopla that comes around and every time they go play, it's sold out? And Do they regret? No, they don't it's, regret. It's, it's a great problem to have. Right. It's you, a great problem to have, and it's you just got a hell of a lot it. better than the alternative. Amen. It's certainly better than looking for that quarterback and being seven and nine every freaking year. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, switching topics. Um, I'm curious. I I know you as a former Washington Redskin. You you spent the first part of your career with the Skins. You won a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. with Washington. I'm just kind of curious where you stand with the whole name change. Well, I I would. I'll say this, Mike. We evolve as people as we educate ourselves. As new information arises, have you ever changed your opinion on anything? Have you ever, you know, gotten new information and go, you know what, maybe my way of thinking wasn't correct back then. Um, Maybe with this new information that's been presented to me, you know, what I was sold or the bill of gold's goods that I was sold is is probably not correct. As a 23-year-old rookie for the Washington Redskins, you know, we were told we came in and it happened, you know, once a year, twice a year. The 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 standard mantra of the organization was um, that that moniker, that nickname, is a source of pride. It's great tradition and great warriors and great you know this that and the other right and and it's honoring our Native American history. And at twenty three years old, a guy that just wanted to play football that was my childhood dream for twelve years since I was twelve years old. It's good enough for me. Hey, that makes sense, right? Now, as you mature and as you get older, and this goes back like seven years ago, I had this conversation. I think I was on CNN and, you know, and people were all up in arms about this. Like somebody's ethnicity should not be like it shouldn't be uh, the image of your organization. It should not be uh, the logo, the logo of your organization. It, It should not be the mascot of your organization. I mean, where else would we allow somebody's ethnicity to be, to be like what other what like what other ethnicity would be okay, right? To put on a team logo. To put on a yeah. team logo, there is none. It's not okay. I mean, you can go through you can go through anything you want to go through, and listen, I this is a podcast, and I don't even want to say some of the things that are in my head right, <laughs> right now, right? Right, because. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you you don't want to get crucified. Yeah. But it's not okay. So if it's not okay, and if there are a bunch of Native American organizations that are going, hey, man, this is, or, or, you know, whatever, I don't even know what the proper term, I don't even want to use the the term, you know, if there's a bunch of, like, Cherokee Nation and and a bunch of Native American nations are saying, hey, this isn't okay, I think 12 different entities came t- 
together in a letter to the commissioner of the NFL saying we need to change these immediately. Then, then, damn it, we should change them immediately. I'm going to assume that they're speaking for the the, the citizens of those of those right. tribes, the and vast that, majority and of they're, people. They're speaking for them. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I guess I just I know there's a not a lot of logic that gets applied to a lot of these debates. There's so much emotion, and both sides weigh in on right. the on the wide fringes of it. But I, I I don't know who am I to tell you as a Native American what is right and what is acceptable and what's not. Right. Who am I to tell you that? That's just, I'm not. Right. You're not. And if I assume that these folks who are speaking for their um, their nations, you know, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that they're just flying in the face of what everybody wants, that everybody wants these nicknames mm-hmm. to stay in place, and they're just choosing unilaterally to say, nope, nope. We don't, right. I, you know, I, I just I can't assume that that's what's going on. So if 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 that's not the case, then damn it, listen to them and right. and and uh, you know uh, acquiesce to their wishes. There are plenty of mascots out there that aren't offensive to you know to a, a, a group of people that you could use. You know, I, I've you know I've been on the the hogs bandwagon. Yeah, Washington hogs. Washington hogs. Right. I mean, let's honor now. Let's honor the organization that brought a voice and and a kind of a face to the uh, to the offensive line. Yeah, to the backbone who of any ever, organization. Who could ever forget the Hogs? The fans dressing up as the Hogs. Yeah, the big burly men. Yeah, you know, wearing dresses and stuff. It was great. Yeah, I love so it. I'm I'm like I am. I'll all, go out and buy that gear. Right, I'm all in. <laughs> I, and I could see it. You don't have to change anything. The colors. You just got a big red kind of you know burgundy pig face on the side of your helmet. <laughs> like that's a great that's a logo, great, yeah. right? It's awesome. I do it. Yeah, I do it. And hey. then you know with the, with the Indians and the Braves and all the you you know you you just. You guys got to figure I, out know, your own thing. I know thing some out. people are like, "Well, if you do that, where do, where do you where do you stop? How far do you go?" I don't know. I don't know how far you go. Well, I, I mean, mean I, I think it's pretty simple, I, I think isn't you it? Just keep taking these these nicknames, I guess, on a a case by case basis. But just because you're afraid that if you go down this road, it might lead you down other roads, that shouldn't be what stops you. Well, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a pretty simple standard. If it's offensive to the ethnicity of a group of people, it probably shouldn't be a mascot. That's pretty simple, right? I mean, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it changed in colleges. I think there was a college with the Fighting Sioux, right? Yep, North Dakota. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it changed before. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think that, I don't think that's a tough, like, well, where do we stop? Well, you stop it, you know, at, at basically the, like I said, the ethnicity of people. Like, if you want to make it an animal, I mean, I don't think there's any situation where, you know, we're here in Denver where the Broncos are offensive. Or, you know, I mean, then we'll start having people saying, well, what about the Pirates? Uh, my dad was a Pirate. <laughs> you know, I, like, I mean. Really? Your dad was a Pirate, yeah, huh? Yeah. Man. I don't, and like, again. I think it's. I think common That's sense. That's a family tree. I want to yeah. explore. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. I hey, think, well, I think common sense should prevail on that. So hey, while we're while we're kind of taking a little uh, walk down memory lane with your career and and the things that have have impacted you that you've been a part of, uh, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are that uh, 
Mike Shanahan mm. has been uh, elected uh, into the Broncos' ring of fame. I think it's I think it's awesome. I mean, here you've got a coach that's got over, you know, what a hundred and I think he's got a total of a hundred and seventy five or hundred seventy eight wins. But check this out, um, because he was amazing, winning back to back Super Bowls for sure. All those things he did. Um, got this note in NFL history. He's one of seven head coaches in NFL history to have 175-plus wins and two Super Bowl titles. Others are Don Shula, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Chuck Knowles, Bill Parcells, and Tom Coughlin. Hmm. It's a pretty decent list, right? That's, uh, that's, uh, that's tall cotton right there. Right. I mean, Shula, Hall of Famer. Belichick will be a Hall of Famer. Landry, Hall of Famer. Knoll, Hall of Famer. Parcells, Hall of Famer. And Coughlin should be in the Hall of Fame, too. And will be. Yeah, and will be. Uh, so Mike Shanahan should eventually, like this is this is the first step toward that Hall of Fame campaign as a head coach. And and let me tell you, at 67 years old, Mike Shanahan could definitely go back. Like energy is not an issue for Mike. I spent some time with Mike. Energy, drive, like he loves the grind. Uh, Shanahan's the same age as uh, Belichick and, 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 and Pete Carroll. Yeah. Look at them. The grind. You know, we always do it. People are like, hey, time to rise and grind, you know. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, that throw that word around and use it very lightly. He loves the grind. That guy loves football. That's all he does. That's all he does. So there is no question if the right opportunity arose. And he had a place where he could go that had a quarterback and that had, you know, a, a decent roster that the ownership was actually committed to winning and not just growing the profitability of their franchise and, and you know, and growing the equity of their franchise. Or going with the hot, young, right. offensive whiz kid. Right. That Shanny would, uh, would go back and coach and do very well. Well, I know you're really happy about that. Yeah, I, know I am. He was, and I know I could... he was a huge part of your career. I mean, uh, you know, he... He gave you another chance to continue. I mean, you tell a great story about. Tell it really quick about the the physicals <laughs> that you yeah, were going so, through and how so, Shanahan res- handled all that. So I went, I went as a, a free agent from the Redskins. So I had come off of multiple knee surgeries and elbow surgeries and and, and problems to <clears throat> having um, Guillaume Barre syndrome and missing the last half of the 93 season, coming back in 94 and not having my strength and, and you know, coming in and weighing in with a 10-pound jock and uh, 10-pound weight in my jock and still being two, and was 278 <clears throat> with a 10-pound weight in my jock. Because I went okay, from... Okay, hold on one second. I, 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 I know what we're talking about. What, what do you mean you had a 10-pound weight in your jock? I put jock. a 10-pound weight in my jock strap to weigh in. Okay, I, because well, listen. Uh, props to you that you have a jock strap that could, uh, you know, hold a ten pound weight. Yeah, you can. How do you do that? Well, you you <laughs> put the bottom of the weight on your on your Johnson, so it sits there, and right. then the the strap of the jock holds the top of the weight, and then you put your shorts and you hang your t shirt over it. So, and then you gingerly walk up and you step on the scale. So you, unbeknownst to these. Weigh-ins that were being conducted. You had a ten-pound weight in your jock strap. 
so I went from two ninety after I got after I got this uh this Guillain Barre syndrome, I went from two ninety to two thirty something in the course of several months. <clears throat> and so by the time I started getting by the time, like I lost all the feeling in my arms and legs for six months. So by the time I got back to May when I could start lifting again, I was two forty five. I played guard, <laughs> right? So by the time July camp rolled around, I was only 268 trying to play offensive line in the NFL. So I knew that that was going to be a huge red flag for me even making the team coming off of multiple injuries and then having this sickness, right? And so I'm like, man, I got to do something to at least look like I've, you know, I'm I'm on my way back. So yeah, I was two sixty eight. I weighed in with a ten pound weight in my jock and was two seventy eight at weigh ins. That is awesome. Right. And so anyhow, I come back, I'm not I don't have my strength. I, I I mean I start week one. I still don't have my strength. I'm not that heavy, you know. Um I, I then I get in a rotational situation with John Giesick, who they signed from the Dallas Cowboys and we rotate. Um, you know, we're kind of switching off series or quarters or whatever it was awful um and then he gets hurt and toward the end of the season by the end of the season I had actually gotten back into the 280s to close to 290 and my strength had started coming back and I started playing pretty decent again so then I go on this tour as free agency calls the first day of free agency opens up bam Chicago Bears are on the phone Hey, we we like what you did the end of the last season. You know, we think you're on your way back. So I go to Chicago. I fell a physical in Chicago. Then I go to Indianapolis. I fell a physical in Indianapolis. Then I go to Atlanta. I fell the physical in, in in Atlanta. And now I'm just like scrambling because I'm like my career. Like nobody will pass me on a physical. So I come to Denver to take this physical, and I literally could have made fart noises with my armpits. Um, and the doctors passed me. Come to find out. Mike Shanahan is just like, hey, I like this player. He's a good player. Just pass him, regardless of what you see on the physical. Just pass the guy. Right? That's awesome. And then Mike, I owe him just a debt of gratitude because I wouldn't have lasted. If I'd have re-signed or gone back to Washington, I wouldn't have lasted another year the way we practiced. Mike just managed me, man. He just managed my career. He managed my health. Um, If we had... 40 or 50 plays during a, a normal practice. The offense had 50 scripted plays. I took 12 of them. I mean, that's like, hey, we need you in on this play, or we need you in on this play, we need you. And so, you know, it, it managed my life. It managed my career, and it ended up getting me six more years of, of starting here in Denver. So I owe him that. And it's been interesting. You know, we've gone from from this coach-player relationship to coach-media guy relationship to um, mentor um, relationship. So I'm over at his house all the time, you know, going through football stuff, and he's educating me on on just the evolution of offense and defense and all these things. It's just been it's been an incredible like this incredible journey. And um uh, it's so cool because there's always that there's always that as a player you're always like that guy has control, right? That guy can fire me at any time. Um and there's this this respect, but there's a little bit of fear, which is important, right? There's not only the fear of being kind of awesome reverence cuz reverence because he's your head coach, but the fear of that dude, that dude can get rid of me anytime he wants. He's he's got ultimate control 
to this friendship mentor, hey, let's go to dinner type of thing, you know? It, it just is a cool evolutionary process um, in our relationship. That's so cool. That's congratulations cool. to Mike Shanahan. He means the world to me, and um, he's just been a – He's been a friend, a mentor, and uh, and I owe him. Like I, every time I see him, I just owe, I I owe you a debt of gratitude for what you did, so that you know I could continue to play, and you continue to to, to live out my childhood dream. Last thought, just humor me on this: the ten pound weight in the jock thing. Yeah, did, did you just come up with that on your own? Did did someone? It was that kind of out there, you know? Hey, you know, if you ever need to try to make weight or anything like mm. that, no, I had you other know, te- here's, I had here's other, a way to do it. And... I had other techniques, other techniques, such yeah. as so you can you can get up on the scale and whichever side the coach that is monitoring the weight, so you stand kind of sideways like you're talking to the guy, right? And then just use one finger. Like th- these are all techniques to make yourself way more right yes, yes. Uh, so then as you get to the your side get up on the front of the scale and kind of lean your head in there like you're looking and talking to the coach and as you do it you just put your finger underneath one side of because there's a you know the scale has the kind of the the end it's yeah, it's the, not the, like the a shoot. digital scale it's got the no it's a big scale yeah, and it's got yeah. And so you put your finger underneath, like the you know the 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 stanchion that comes up that yeah, holds yeah, the monitor yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Put your finger underneath there and just push. You can you can make yourself weigh twenty more pounds if you want, depending on the pressure you put. Got to be careful there. though, right? You don't so weigh too now much. all you do is you just push enough to give yourself where you need to be. Now I've used that technique a bunch because back in my Denver days we had a four pound. This is crazy because coaches think they like coaches think they're scientists. They're not. <laughs> Like they, we should just have a coach give you coronavirus updates, right? Because they like my coach Alex Gibbs used to say. I, I know I'm off on a tangent, but my coach would like look at you. He's never met you before, and he goes, mm, "What do you weigh there?" And you'd be like, oh, "I weighed in at two ninety two today." Ooh, mm, two ninety two. I don't see that. I think you're too heavy. Uh, your new weight is two eighty eight. <laughs> Excuse me. That's where you're gonna weigh. And you can't be more, you can't be more than 290, and you can't be less than 286. And you had to maintain that four-pound window all season long. Every Thursday, you weighed in. And for every pound you were over or under, it was a $100 fine. So there were many times, like, you get the flu, you get sick. That's, you know, you, you don't eat for a couple of days. You, you're throwing up whatever. And you roll in, you roll in before the official weigh-in. And you see guys, you know, drinking gallons of water because a gallon of water weighs eight pounds. So to either up their weight or if you don't want to just waterlog yourself, you walk up. Like I said, you get to the edge of the scale. You you start talking and distracting the guy and you put your finger on it (laughs) and you make yourself weigh a couple of pounds more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, But the weight and the jockstrap, was that a Mark Schlereth original or? I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people have done that. That's it. That's 10 pound weight is not that big. And um, like I said, you just, that's what she said. Yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> you just kind of balance it between the jock and the root. Yeah, <laughs> you know. On that note, I can't yeah. think of a better way to end. <laughs> hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Drew Podcast, thank you so much for our great sponsors, uh, our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Sweet Sweat. We really appreciate you. Also, check out Marks All Pros at MarksAllPros.com. We're building a better referral network at Marks All Pros. Thanks to everybody. We'll be back with you later.